Wise counsel are people that actually care about your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with your spouse, with kids, friends, family. They want to help you get better in all those areas and help point you to Jesus constantly um, because they know that's what will help you grow and, and become a better um, Christian and wife and mother, whatever God calls you to. And so wise counsel is very important to have. If you're single before you get married, your single friends may not be wise counsel for your marriage because they've never been married. Mm -mm. Just because somebody's a relative or a family member doesn't mean that they're wise counsel. Right. They may have an opinion, right. but they may not have wisdom, and there's a big difference. Well, howdy. Pastor Mark here. Welcome back to The Real Marriage Podcast. If you haven't heard, we've got a brand new book, my wife Grace and I, called Real Romance. It's about sex in the Song of Songs. It's uh, releasing in February, and here's the big idea. Uh, my wife, Grace, and I, we have been teaching on marriage for a long time. And the thing that was most popular was the Song of Solomon many years ago. And we have brought back all of that content. We have expanded it. Uh, be the first time that we have ever published and widely released it. And hey, let's just be honest, man. Economy is down. Money is tight. You need a new hobby. We're here to help spice up your bedroom. Uh, you can find all the details and pre-order the book at uh, realromancebook.com. That's realromancebook.com. Thanks to our friends at XO and Pastor Jimmy for publishing it. On today's episode, we will be sharing a little more from the book. And I would tell you, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says and have a good date night. We're going to get into a lot in this session, but one of the big concepts is in Getty. Yes. And uh, maybe tell them uh, where En Gedi is, because we hear that and we think, what does that mean? And we're going to get into it. It's in the Bible. We'll be there in just a minute. Um, but we, some years ago, took a trip to Israel, mm -hmm. hiked up. It was the middle of the summer. I mean, it was super, super hot and um, just barren, desolate, desert wasteland. It's an oasis in the desert. It's an oasis in the desert. You show up at this place called En Gedi. It's still there. Song of Songs is written 3,000 years ago, but Engedi's still there. Just in the middle of nowhere in the desert, Beautiful. water is just bursting forth, fresh water, cool, waterfall. fresh water, a little waterfall, greenery, life, birds, animals. Right around the water. Right around mm -hmm. En Gedi. We live here in the desert of Arizona, mm -hmm. and uh, you can always tell where there's water because uh, it's pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. It's the only place that there's life. Yeah. And what they're talking about in their conversation in this session is En Gedi. And so sometimes it's super important for a couple to get out of the house, get out of the routine, go somewhere to reset time together and build new memories. So I just thought it'd be fun maybe at the beginning, what are some of the favorite places that we have been to that really helped to build our friendship and relationship? Most recently, I would say Montana. Can you do that again? <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> Most recently, I would say Montana. We went for our 50th birthdays, and it was just us, and we just did fun stuff. We just kind of winged it. We didn't plan much. We just knew where we were going to stay, and we looked at some highlights in the area, but we just kind of drove around and figured out what we wanted and to I do. I was kind of surprised because it was around our 50th birthday, uh, and it was in the fall, and I was like, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Italy? You know, do you want to go to Paris? And you said, no, I want to go to... Montana. Montana. And I don't look at you and think, Montana. <laughs> uh, uh, 
but you wanted to go to Montana. And so we went and it was perfect. Mm -hmm. We stayed in a beautiful lodge right on a lake. Mm -hmm. We got some boat days. We got to watch the sunset. Mm -hmm. We spent most nights by a big rip roaring fire right on the shore, just having a glass of wine. Uh, If you're Baptist, it was grape juice. And uh, (laughs) we we were watching the sunset and it was just being together. And what was great is we didn't have we didn't have a lot scheduled, so we got up whenever we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd have dinner whenever we wanted to. Mm-hmm. We got to go do some hiking, do some uh, hiking up in the Glacier National Forest, mm-hmm. some shopping. It was kind of just like, when do you want to get up and what do you want to do today? And when your life is very organized and architected in full, sometimes it's really great to just not have anything planned and just do what you want. Other places that we've been that you fondly remember most frequently. Uh, I mean, we've been a lot of places as a family. Um, I loved Australia. Yeah, we spent 30 days on Darling Harbor down in Sydney as a family. We Walked took my to the mom, restaurants. So we got some boats. dates. Yeah, so we, yeah, that was your, I just want to publicly thank your mom when the kids were growing up. <laughs> she was always there to travel with us so that we could go out and get dates even when we were out of country. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scotland was great. Scotland. You've, been blessed to speak in a lot of places. And so we get to travel as a family to those places together because they pay for it and it works out nice. Um, but yeah, just getting those moments, whether it's internationally or even locally, we've had some, since we've moved to Arizona, we've taken some fun trips up to Prescott and Sedona and the White Mountains and just getting time talking, mm-hmm. driving and looking at the scenery and going into fun shops and just investing in fun together. And I always like to have, I said in the last session, fun on the calendar, fun on the horizon. Hey, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What can we look forward to? Then start saving money for that in the budget, maybe racking up frequent flyer miles Mm -hmm. to put the plan together. Uh, A lot of times, uh, especially if you've got kids, somebody's got to watch the kids or you take them with you and how do you coordinate all of that. But to me, it's very, very important for our relationship to get out of the house, to get out of the routine, to go somewhere and would you say that you're very spatially aware that your environment and surroundings is a really big deal to you compared to me? No. Okay, explain that. <laughs> I I could be home all day and just working on stuff and being with the kids, being with you. Um, I love to see beautiful places, but it's not a have to for me. I think for you, you're affected by space more and visual. And so... For you, it's really important to change the environment here and there um, to get just free your mind in different ways and, and be able to focus on. For me, I if I stay home too much, I only focus on the tasks. So you have to get me away from the house to, to really remember, okay, yes, we need to go have fun. And it's not that I don't enjoy it. I just get so into my tasks. So. Yeah, and that's where when we're home, you, you, know, you've, you raise five kids and the house has got chores and tasks. I've always had a, a library at home where I study and write and work from. And so to me, we do rest at home, but we work at home as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes to get out of that work-life balance, I just like to go somewhere mm-hmm. and, and just change the routine. Well, that's kind of what they're talking about with mm-hmm. Engedi. So yep. what we're going to do now, we will um, we'll read this section of the Song of Songs, okay. and it starts in chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, why don't you read the friends section first? So they're extended okay. family, wise counsel friends, jump in. And then I'll read what he said, and then you can read what she said. See how okay. we are He said, that. she said. Yeah, okay. he said, she said. 
The friends say, if you do not know, most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. And then he says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare. Calls her a horse. We'll have to definitely explain that. Uh, among, uh, Don't Pharaoh's, do that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. I'll write that down. Pharaoh's uh, chariot horse says, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, which may be not the best translation. Any woman who's got cheeks in her earrings, she, she missed. Um, uh, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. Mm-hmm. And then she jumps in. It's a series of conversations and poetic love songs. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi, which we talked about. And henna blossoms, we still have henna. You see people using henna to do designs on their arms and stuff. They used it similarly, but also in hair to dye hair. But henna blossoms were a flowering, white, fragrant fragrant bush. And basically here, she's talking and she's talking about him being a cluster of henna blossoms to her, meaning if he's Compared to flowery, white, fragrant, that means he's grooming himself. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna use this ancient Hebrew concept to make men take showers yes. and clip yes, their nails and use deodorant. Yes. All right. You can be fragrant in a good way or a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, you know, asking to be fragrant in a good way. Okay, so men should shower. Yes. Clean their nails. Yes. Um, groom their eyebrows. beard, have two eyebrows, not one. Mm-hmm. Um, brush their teeth, breath mint. Yes, yes. Okay, and all of that is right there. Just <laughs> they should trust you. It's in the original Hebrew. And yeah. this is, okay, she's an expert in ancient <laughs> Hebrew. Trust her on this. Uh, and then uh, he says, how beautiful you are, my darling. He's got a lot of nicknames Endearing. for Endearing. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves. Mm, and doves can represent messengers of love. And peace. Mm-hmm. So it's very important how he's speaking to her right now. It's very tender. It's, it's um, building her up. And you know, drawing her in. It's a little flirty. It is. I'm sure there's something on the other side of this that he's hoping for. Uh, She says, "How handsome you are, my beloved! Oh, how charming!" And our bed is verdant. So they're engaged here to use our modern vernacular, looking forward to their wedding. And then he talks about their home, how he can't wait to be married and live together and just be at home together. He says, the beams of our houses are cedars, our rafters are firs. And so the moral of the story is, uh, put beams in your house if you want to be biblical. (laughs) And then she says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. And lilies can symbolize purity. So she's going into this pure, and she's wanting to enter into the relationship in a pure way. And if you aren't entering into a relationship being pure, there's redemption in that. God forgives that. He can wash you clean, and you can enter in in a second purity. So then he jumps in, and he says, uh, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. And uh, he's comparing her to uh, this exquisite blessing in his life that is greater than any other woman he's ever met. Mm -hmm. So he's making sure that she's got her confidence established. And then she speaks last. And then she speaks and she's comparing him to, she says, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. And so she's, if you can imagine, you know, green forest trees, and then there's this one apple tree, which is 
a sweet illustration. It's a tree that bears sweet fruit. She's giving him an imagery of sweetness that he means to her, and he stands out among them. So she's really complimenting in a manly way, really complimenting and respecting him for his his uniqueness as a man in a good way, not like you're unique in a bad way. Um, I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall and let his banner over me be love. So they're making, dreaming of making love there. They're consummating their mm-hmm. honeymoon night. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples. Apples could be an aphrodisiac in that time. She's expecting to get tired. She's going to need some snacks mm-hmm. in a half time. <laughs> For I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or waken love until it so desires. Okay, so it's a series of conversations. The Song of Songs is between a man and a woman that become a husband and a wife. And throughout, the friends are speaking in. Um, Talk about in the dating years, how important it is that if a man really does want to pursue a woman, that he also pursues her friends, family, friends, Mm -hmm. wise counsel, church, uh, the community of support that's around her. Mm -hmm. And uh, that proves that he's a good guy. And any guy who doesn't do that is a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's important. If you have healthy friendships, it's important to have them give input into the relationships because they may see things that if you're love struck, you may not see. And so it helps you with discernment. Um, It's I didn't always have healthy friendships. And so my friends didn't tell me one way or another. Um, But now that I'm in that, I have friends that invest in and encouraging me as a wife and encouraging me how to be a better wife. Um, that's super important in relationships. So explain that, just sort of friends versus wise counsel. Um, well, wise counsel are people that actually care about your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with your spouse, with kids, friends, family. They want to help you get better in all those areas and help point you to Jesus constantly um, because they know that's what will help you grow and, and become a better um Christian and wife and mother, whatever God calls you to. And so wise counsel is very important to have. Um, and it's it's a usually a relationship that's built over time and you build trust and you share a little bit of information and see what they do with it. If they betray you or if they use it against you and not help build you up, then that's not a good friend, not a wise counsel. Um, but if they're really wanting to, and you're mutually in each other's lives trying to help be more godly in all areas, then that's a good person for wise counsel. And so if you're single before you get married, Mm -hmm. your single friends may not be wise counsel for your marriage Mm -hmm. because they've never been married. Mm -hmm. Just because somebody's a relative or a family member doesn't mean that they're wise counsel. They may have an opinion, but they may not have wisdom, and there's a big difference. Wise counsel is who you as a couple agree that you're going to invite in Mm -hmm. to, to speak in. Yep. Uh, they have a view as to what's going on in your relationship. They have a voice about things in your yeah. relationship. As a couple, you vote on what you want to do. There's interesting a view, a voice, and a vote. But uh, this was one of the first things that we really kind of had to work through as a young married couple because friends would all say, oh, let me tell you what to do. It's like, well, you've never been married. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> or family members that maybe they had opinions, but they didn't have wisdom, and they're telling us to do things. It's like, that's not what we're going to do. We don't agree with you. And sometimes it's even, we don't even respect your marriage or the way you've architected your life, so we're not going to do what you're telling us because we don't think that you know what you're doing. Right. And so you've got to have wise counsel, and it has to be agreed upon mm-hmm. people that you both will welcome in, and that's the position of the friends throughout mm-hmm. the book. Yeah. 
Now, let me talk about him and what he says, and then you can talk about her and what she says. And what he's saying to her, first and foremost, is that she is a priority. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as you're moving toward marriage, if you're, uh, you know, a couple that's moving in that direction, your priorities do shift. Your extended family, your friends now are going to have uh, displacement mm-hmm. and it's going to be God. And then your spouse or spouse to be is your highest priority. Um, and he's just telling her, though he's the king and he runs the nation, he's got a lot of responsibility, that she is an incredibly high priority. Mm-hmm. How important is this for a husband to continually tell a wife, despite work and duties and responsibilities, you're still my first priority? Yeah, it goes back to what we talked about in the previous session with security for women, and that's part of it. She feels affirmed, she feels priority, then she's going to feel free in the relationship to be who she is and to continue to grow alongside, and and it's just absolutely necessary for a woman to have that. Well, and then it invites her to say, hey, I need some time, Mm -hmm. I need, you know, I need you to She doesn't feel like a bother. She says, I am a priority, so I don't need to wait And if there's a minute left at the end of the day, that's mine. Mm -hmm. I get to tell him if I have a real need for time, priority, energy. He also compliments her a lot. So throughout the book, it's very flirtatious. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what happens in the bedroom is the result of what happens outside of the bedroom. If there's flirtation and warmth and fun and friendship outside of the bedroom, that warms things up for the bedroom. But one of the compliments that he gives her, he talks about uh, horses and chariots. And so Solomon being the king, The Bible says he's got 12,000 Egyptian horses in his stable. Today, this would be like a guy who has 12,000 cars in his car collection. (laughs) He's doing really well. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he has 1,400 chariots. And this would have been custom built, gold inlaid, diamond studded, you know. It's amazing. He's he's rolling with rims. He's (laughs) he's really doing good. And he says, you know, I've got 12,000 horses. I've got 1,400 chariots. He said, but I've only got one mare. Mm, yeah, that's quite a comparison. And what he's saying is, um, you know, you're my one mare, mm. and I've only got one like you. Mm-hmm. And what happens um, when a mare goes around the horses, the horses get very excited. <laughs> what he's saying is, when you're around, that's how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm pretty excited. So he's, he's finding sort of a creative farm way to flirt. <laughs> <laughs> if you live on the farm, farmers.com, you got to get... You got to get real creative with your flirting. Um, he also is going to give her gifts. Mm. And he says he's going to have uh, earrings for her, mm-hmm. uh, gold studded with silver. Mm. So uh, how important is it for some gals, um, one of their love languages, we'll get into this in a, a, a little, another episode, um, but why are gifts sometimes really important, especially to certain women? It can help them feel appreciated. I'm not a person that, cares much about no, gifts. No, <laughs> you, you shop at, you know, secondhand <laughs> stores and you like to buy things on discount yes, yes. and you, you use coupons and I don't understand any of that. Yeah. A prudent wife is from the Lord. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. I think, you know, she feels valued, obviously, if, if Abishag, if this is the woman, you know, he feels like he knows her well enough to know Buy the gifts. Are, gifts. Mm-hmm. And not just buying gifts, but things that she would feel loved by and appreciated by. And if she's the gal we think she is, she grew up poor. She's never gotten gifts like this. Mm-hmm. This would be all new for her. This is kind of the Cinderella story of the Old yeah. Testament. Mm-hmm. She's a poor working class gal yeah. who now is marrying the king and she's the mm-hmm. she's the queen. I mean, this is a 
This is the Cinderella story of the She's Old Testament. She's used to working hard for what she has, and here he's offering it to her because he loves her. He's being very generous mm -hmm. toward her, and it's important to be really generous as a husband. Mm -hmm. Whether you make a lot or a little, yeah. be generous with whatever you have. Absolutely. Um, and then he has nicknames for her. And I always like to say we have nicknames for the people we love the most and we hate the most. <laughs> True? Yes. All right, we won't talk about one category. We'll talk about the other category. Um, we have a few nicknames for each other. Um, can't share them all. Um, or we can edit it out. Either way, we're no. fine. Um, what are some of the nicknames that I call you? <laughs> I call you best friend all the time. Yes. We, both, we call each other best friend. And for yeah. us, uh, we think that friendship is absolutely essential in marriage and that the friendship uh, is one of the deepest parts of the relationship. Ever since we were in high school, I always called you beauty. Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes it's just little fun pet nicknames that other people can't use. Uh, and it just shows uh, an intimacy within the relationship. So what he calls her is my darling. Mm. He, call, he says your eyes are doves. Mm -hmm. And uh, doves are uh, really interesting because they're, they're faithful to one mate for their whole life. Mm. And what he's saying is, you know, you and I, we're together forever. Mm. And what he's saying is, you don't have eyes for anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I just want to publicly honor you. I, I mean, we've been together since March 12th, 1988, which mm -hmm. is a while. It's a little, little while. But I've never seen you flirt with another man. Mm -hmm. I've never seen you emotionally engage or get around another man and your eyes light up in such a way that my eyes turn flaming red. <laughs> uh, and there's that fidelity and there's that dependability there that is really, really sacred. And what he's saying is that he appreciates that about her. Yeah. There's something devastating in a relationship when it's like, they don't have eyes for me. Absolutely. Their eyes are always wandering. What he's saying is your eyes are doves. And he says, she is a lily among the thorns. And what he's saying is, I looked at all the other women and to me, they're kind of like thorns mm -hmm. and you're the lily. That's sweet. And I always tell our sons, you know, you're going to meet two kinds of gals. You're going to meet gals you can live with, and you're going to meet the gal you can't live without. Mm -hmm. I said, marry the gal you can't live without. Amen. And I married the gal I can't live without, so <laughs> thanks for sticking around. Um, but what he's basically saying to her is, there's a lot of great women, but he said, you, I only see you. Mm -hmm. You're the center of the universe. You're my first round draft pick. Um, that's my romantic Every woman wants flirt. that, but not every woman gets that. So the goal in, in even teaching through these is to make us aware of make men aware of what women desire and feel appreciated by and to make women understand, you know, how men are and how they can inspire <laughs> things in them as well.